Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Walter Zajac. Walter Zajac is a highly respected psychic medium and NLP practitioner who has brought insight to thousands of people in over 40 countries worldwide since 2002. His life has been filled with verified psychic phenomena, a verified shared near-death experience, and hundreds of dreams and visions that came true. Walter believes we are here on earth to overcome challenges, to experience contrast. We are here to love, to be happy, and to have fun. Walter was born in Germany five years after the end of World War II and has lived most of his life in the United States. He currently resides in Los Angeles. Welcome to the podcast, Walter. Thank you, Kimberly. Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah, so excited to hear your story. So why don't you start out and tell us, you know, you just say in your bio, you, you grew up in Germany. So just tell us where you started and how you got to doing what you're doing. Okay, that's a long story. <laughs> so um, I was born five years after World War II ended and uh, Germany was pretty well destroyed. Um, all the major cities, 36 of them, were any, anywhere from 80 to 95% leveled by American and British bombs. Um, of course, the Germans had earned it because they, the Nazis, were, um, they had uh, um, military facilities and ammunition plants, tank plants, in the cities next to the churches, right? So the Americans really didn't have much choice other than to blanket bomb, cluster bomb is what they used to call it, I think. No, yeah. carpet bombing, that's what it was. And um, so I grew up in even, uh, my memories go back to uh, 10 years after the war and at least half our city, every city was still leveled bombed out structures all over the place. And um, my, you know, and this of course is the war from the, the other side's perspective, which we don't necessarily get much of in uh, America. Yeah. Um, but Germany was just brought to its knees and rightly so, right? But it was brought to its knees and growing up in that was phenomenal. I, it was a regular occurrence to see men without arms, without two arms, without a leg, with, I, without two legs. My father had a friend who, if you ever saw the movie Trading Places, uh, Eddie Murphy got around on a little four-wheeled cart that was next to the ground and he moved by uh, moving his fists and stopped and turned around. I, my, my father had a friend like that and it would scare the heck out of me to see this man because plus he stunk right and he was in bad shape right there's so many people in general were in bad shape so many widows and orphans and uh my mom uh was not married to my father he was a wife beater severe wife beater and um because they weren't married and because of his habit of getting drunk literally every night and beating the crap out of her most nights. Um, she knew she was dying of cancer for a year 
and um, she arranged for me to be sent to an orphanage and to be adopted by Americans because America was in so much better shape. And uh, the hard part is that I didn't know that I was going to an orphanage. I thought I was going on a cool train ride. And I didn't know that my mom was dying. Everybody in the family knew except me. So it was dramatic and, yeah. and pretty devastating and eventually caused me to need psychotherapy, right? Because I felt abandoned, rejected, very little self-worth. But it's the experience that allows me to do my work really well now. And <clears throat> I've been psychic all of my life. I've, as the bio said, I've had hundreds of dreams and visions come true. And uh, <clears throat> I wrote a novel called They Came Beyond Deja Vu, which is based on my life experiences. Everything that happened in the book happened to me. I changed names of places and people and sometimes relationships to protect people. Mm -hmm. um, but in the novel, the primary focus of the novel is helping people empower themselves. That's what I do in my work. I call myself the empowerment psychic and I also do NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, and Reiki, Reiki Healing. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the psychic experiences really were emphasized by the fact that I had two imaginary friends when I was a kid before I went to the orphanage and I used to see detailed visions of them and their experience. And the first one of them was the one that I called the accident girl for quite a while, Maria in the book. And I experienced this horrific accident that she had had from start to finish, including um, her psychic experiences of being above her body in the truck cab after the accident and being above her body in surgery. And I was next to her and she went on a near death experience. She died and went to beyond the light and I actually went with her. And it was an experience that moved me like none other. I experienced the other side and it's just unimaginably beautiful and um i didn't know that it was a vision but uh, and then you know the, the first time i thought it was a movie but then i kept seeing her literally every day in dreams and in waking state visions and i would interact with her and play with her but also see this experience over and over and there was another one but i'll make it simple when i was 44 this girl and the other one but this girl first maria became a real person in my life and she began to tell me after i had known her for a few weeks began to tell me about a horrible accident that she had had where she ended up being pretty disfigured and i was able to finish the story for her because it was that would have been shocking <laughs> yeah and it was for her it was it was for me my first impression because it was at a time when i had, i was aware that i had psychic experiences but those of us who are psychic don't necessarily realize that we're different 
it's just normal based on what we experience. And, but I didn't see myself as a psychic. And my first impression was, and especially because of having been sent to an orphanage at six years old, my first, you know, because I lost control, lost my power, my first impression was the universe is messing with me. What's going on? Right? It, it was literally the thing that caused me to realize after friends had been telling me for 20 years, dude, you need some help. It caused me to realize I need a psychologist. And it was the best thing I ever did for myself. Figuring that out. And, and she also happened to be the daughter of a Toltec shaman, which is the shamanic tradition that uh, uh, the teachings of Don Juan books come from by Carlos Castaneda and uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote The Four Agreements. He's a Toltec shaman. And this lady's father was a Toltec shaman, and he used to take her to other worlds, other realities, and it scared the pants off of her. But for me, for her, my experience was, oh, that's nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's real, right? Which is exactly what I needed to know and to hear. And it was <clears throat> at that point, I was uh, 44. I said that, didn't I? <laughs> it was at that point that she began to make me realize, dude, you're psychic. And you probably need to do this for a living at some point and to really help people. Because what you've been through is something that many people, I'm, I'm, uh, my voice is cracking here, many people have psychic experiences, had deja vu experiences, and yet they discount them and eventually also because of parental pressure they end up not believing that that it's actually true that it actually happened but for me it's valuable insight because our psychic experiences our dreams and visions i believe are are our higher selves and or our angel guides giving us messages about how to take care of ourselves mm. yeah that is very valuable yeah it's really I would like what would have liked to have a psychic guide to tell me how to be a parent when my kids were coming up. That would have been really helpful. <laughs> yeah, you know that's one of the things that I run into in my work all the time, and and that I realized in my own life, none of us, almost none of us, ever got a lesson in how to be a good parent or be a parent at all. Most of us had parents who also didn't had no clue what they were doing, tried their best, but usually didn't do particularly well. And then also, when have you or me or anybody ever had a lesson on how to have a love relationship, right? And yet those are the most important aspects of our lives. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I really focus on in my work when I do psychic readings and NLP, just helping people to realize that, yeah, there, are, there is knowledge, there is insight, there is information on, how to do this you don't have to do it blindly and most of us do we figure if we love them enough that everything's going to be okay but it doesn't seem to work very well based on the statistics no so um so you, how old were you when you first had your imaginary friend five you were five so you're yeah. really really young and yeah so at five you were going through this experience and and you must, you went through it more than once because so, the, the memory was so vivid that at 44, you could remember it. Details. And retell yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that freaked this lady out was that I was able to tell her five things 
that she had never told anybody because they were just too personal, too freaky, like being above her body in the truck cabin, being above her body in surgery, going to beyond the light. Right? She had never told anybody about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Dr. Raymond Moody, who was one of the original researchers on near-death experiences, and um, he, in the last, I think, 10 years, has been researching what's called, what he calls shared near-death experiences, where um, uh, one person goes on the near-death experience with the other. That happens sometimes when people are waiting in surgery outside in the waiting room, and the person dies, and somebody goes with them. In my case, yeah, I was able to describe it to her right? And so, and she verified it, but I dreamt it, what was it, 30, well, and saw it in a vision, actually, 33 years before it happened to her, 15 years before she was born. And that, too, putting those pieces together made me realize, oh, my God, yes, I've been in touch with and communicating with and interacting with the psychic world since my earliest memories. Yeah. And I really believe that we all do. You know, my impression is everybody's psychic. One of my favorite things to talk about is um, in my research and understanding, every major religion and pretty much every tribal religion on our planet is based on two concepts. Number one, something along the lines of we are created in the image and likeness of the creator. So we are creators. And secondly, that this creator gave us absolute free will. And what I like to tell people in terms of empowering them and making them realize how much choice they have, mm-hmm. in order to be a creator, you have to have absolute free will. The moment there's one limit or one rule, you're not a creator, you're an imitator. And we weren't born in the creator, created in the image and likeness of the imitator, right? In order to really be a creator, you have to be able to create anything that you want. And If you don't believe that's true, our jails are full of people who had God's permission to do what they did. And for every one of them, there's five more that haven't gotten caught, Mm -hmm. right? So clearly this is a place where we have God's permission to do most anything. And sure, there are consequences, but we can create the experience that we want to experience. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's valuable because what in studying near-death experiences, one of the things that I do is connect people with their deceased loved ones. Mm. And I always prove to them that it really is them by giving them three things that connect the two, right? And once I do that, usually the tears flow. Wow, that's really him. And then I start crying because I'm feeling it all. But what I've learned from that experience is that we are here not to experience heaven on earth necessarily, we can go for it, but we are here to experience contrast because in our actual state, we are created exactly like the creator. CD-ROM copy, we're exactly like the creator. We have all of those qualities that people associate with the creator, benevolence and, and all power and all love and you name it, all knowledge. And At the same time, we don't know what it's like actually to really treasure being all beautiful until we know what it is to be the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And we don't know 
what it is to be loved until we know really what it is to be hated. We can't even cherish or understand what it is to exist until we know what it is to die. And that's literally why, in my understanding, why we manifest on the planet. And it's hard, right? And yet the power lies in the fact that we do have choices. Hmm. People used to tell me that I chose this path and I used to get angry. Are you kidding? Why would I choose this? You're nuts. Right. And then for a long time, I just could not believe in reincarnation because my impression was, are you kidding? Coming back here as a reward for having lived a good life. Are you nuts? Why would I want to come back here? And yet over time, I realized that we did choose and I chose in order to be able to do what I do, to be able to help people. If I hadn't lived all of these extremes, I wouldn't really be able to identify with the extremes that my clients have gone through. Exactly. Or are so, doing. Yeah. I mean, you, you started out in a very difficult situation. I mean, you were born into a family where dad was beating up mom. Yeah. So, you know, there's uh, who knows what else because also in a drunken you know someone in a drunken state and then um you know that had to be so unstable and difficult as you're in your developmental years when you're just becoming and finding out who you are and yeah. uh, and then being sent to an orphanage and just feeling that alone and rejected and abandoned and all these what we might call negative or darker feelings so but then you came to america uh you grew up and obviously you you were glowing you're <clears throat> doing well now so uh, when did the, when did you start seeing the contrast of okay this is where i feel unloved un not taken care of when was the first time you were feeling the contrast to love and acceptance and joy during my psychotherapy, which was at this point about 25 years ago, um, she pretty much every session emphasized the fact that I was preventing myself from feeling good because that's what was most familiar to me. Mm -hmm. And whatever is most familiar to us in a twisted way usually also ends up being most comfortable and we drift towards it. And, uh, you know, because I had these self-worth uh, pro uh, image problems, um, then I literally subconsciously did not believe that I deserved happiness, did not believe that I deserved good stuff, good events, didn't really believe that I deserved love, good circumstances rather than events. And that subconsciously and probably consciously just out of habit, I was always choosing shit. Oh, can I say that? <laughs> I was always choosing difficult stuff. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So as you went through the psychotherapy and you're discovering new things about yourself and basically that you have a choice. Yeah. Because before maybe you didn't think you had a choice, but now no. you're seeing that you had a choice. How did that change things for you? Or how did your life change after that? Power. You know, the choice, what she brought to me was bringing me away from the victim mentality, mm -hmm. you know, arriving at an orphanage, not knowing that it was happening, uh, 
-hmm. made me lose my power and see life from the perspective of a victim and powerlessness. I was also, the people who adopted me were abusive, physically abusive. And so that just really pounded it in, in an in a actual literal way. But emotionally, it was pounded in that you're just not worth much. Right? Who cares about you? And so that realization that really I've been making choices, that's why I have these results. I can make different choices, really? Right? That brought me power and brought me my first moments of happiness. You know, when in during our sessions, when that really registered with me, that, wow, I could make different choices and have different results. I hadn't actually connected those dots, even though intellectually, probably, right? But emotionally, and realizing that my habit had been to choose the hard stuff, mm -hmm. the stuff that didn't bring me the results that I wanted, that was totally empowering. And it was at that point that I began to love Walter. One, another one of the things that she did, which I love to do in my NLP sessions, is connect. she helped connect adult Walter with five-year-old Walter. Um, taking me back to the last night that I spent with my mama and to the first night at the orphanage and reliving those experiences, but being there with him, telling yeah. him, I love you, Walter. I love you. You're never going to be alone again. I'm always going to be with you, right? That kind of stuff. Ooh, it's empowering as hell. Of course, you know, it brought me to massive crocodile tears. And when I do that with clients, every time, just crocodile tears, because most of us forget how precious and beautiful we were at five years old. And when we identify with that and really feel that person, Oh, it's a beautiful experience. And then it's like coming full circle or becoming whole again, because that person, in my impression of things, is exactly still who all of us are. Even if we've grown and matured, we're still that person. Our first response is always going to be that person, right? That sensitivity. Yeah. yeah. And then as adults, we learn to not necessarily react off of that response, but to think it through and react more emotionally mature. <laughs> yeah. So um, when people come to you for, you know, your healing, your the Reiki, the NLP, uh, the psychic abilities, um, who are the people that come to you and what do they come to you asking or wanting? The first thing, most important thing in really everybody's life is relationships. Usually it's about a love relationship. Sometimes it's about a best friend. Sometimes it's about a relative like mom or dad or a daughter, son. Um, but more often than not, it's about a love relationship because what I've seen in, in my own life and with my clients, it's the most important thing to us. And then, you know, when I channel uh, deceased relatives, for people, oh, that's consistently the message. And it's what I read in, in every near-death experience research book that, that is consistently the message. And that is, oh my God, love, love, love. Express it, spend time, show it, say it, be it, love, love, love. Because that's the thing you're going to regret the most when you're gone. Because once you're gone, nobody's listening. 
yeah. nobody's listening, right? That's also the main complaint that I get from people on the other side is nobody's listening. They've been trying to communicate. I'm here, I'm here. And in so many cases, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But nobody's listening, right? Because most of us don't want to admit this. there's somebody in the room, right? For most of us, ooh, that's just a little too much. Yeah. And we sure as heck don't want to see that entity, right? But love, 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 love. That's the main emphasis. That's what we're going to regret the most when we pass on. Life will have been way too short and we didn't get enough love or give enough love. And then the other thing is fun, fun, fun. You know, everybody's goal is happiness. And the only thing we ever have is the present moment. We cannot be happy for tomorrow. We can't. The only time we can be happy is now. And the only way to do that is to have fun with whatever you're doing now. If it's the dishes, have figure out a way to have fun doing the dishes. And then those two factors plus the, 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 the sense, no matter how long they lived, even if they lived into their 90s, oh, it was too short. It was too short. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what, what do you do for fun now? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I love to connect with people. That's my favorite thing to do, just mm -hmm. to interact. Um, you and I had a really good personal conversation a couple of weeks ago. That, to me, that's the ultimate fulfillment. It's just sharing and connecting with somebody and realizing that most of us are all the same. You know, we, we uh, feel love. We want to be loved. It's the most important thing in our lives. We want to be accepted. We want to be admired. And when we are able to open up to somebody who does that for us, who makes it feel, makes us feel safe enough to open up to them and help allow them to do that for us. To me, it's the most beautiful experience in life. And then the other thing that I love to do, it's something that I believe really helped me write a book that keeps people on the edge of their seat. And that is, I watch movies and I watch them over and over and I check out the editing and why this scene was so powerful. And I check out, check out, you know, with the camera angles and the close-ups. And, and one of my favorite uh, friends is a guy who uh, was a Oscar nominated film editor mm -hmm. who I met at a party and spoke to a couple of hours about his work and learned about editing and how to make a scene really stand out. And I wrote the book based on those those principles and on NLP. NLP is all about bringing in your five physical senses plus your emotions, your sixth sense. And that really makes the experience vivid and memorable. So I brought in NLP principles in writing the book too. And people tell me that it's hard to put down. So that excites me. Oh, that is great. Mm -hmm. So, And I will make sure, um, say the name of the book again. So we they have came beyond deja vu. Okay, and I'll make sure it's in the show notes so people can get to it and find it and read Thank it. You. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. And so I have some more curious questions. So I think when anyone thinks of a psychic, for me, the first thing is curiosity and like, wow, how did he do that? You know, but um, talk about some of the things that you saw and then they came true. 
um, well, the first one that comes to me is for maybe 10 years, I had a series of dreams that I was convinced took place near the Space Needle in Seattle, which most people probably know. It's a long, tall tower on, on feet, basically, right? And at the top is a big disc that looks like a spaceship. And it was the only, only place that I knew. And in this series of dreams, relationships happened and all kinds of events happened. And I was convinced that they were happening in Seattle. But they never came true until I was living. And I, none of those dreams came true. And so I thought, well, it was just fantasy imagination. Then I, in uh, my adult years, I lived for 10 years in Germany, moved back there in order to find a half brother and half sister and other relatives and get to know my roots and understand what it is to be German because that was my first identity and to relearn German. And um, I ended up in Frankfurt, Germany, and I was about 10 blocks from the Frankfurt TV tower, which is a long pedestal with a disc at the top, <laughs> which just like the Space Needle had a restaurant and an observation deck, right? And there is where the dreams were coming true. Dreams of being um, back as a musician full time, which I had lost um, before that when my son was born. I had to give up now truly because it's a pretty insecure field. But in Germany and pretty much all of Europe, they really value the arts and you can actually make a living full time as a, as a professional musician. And I was doing that and all these dreams were happening, including I was in a band that was uh, a one hit wonder. We ended up number 18 on the Billboard pop charts in Europe and I was on TV a lot and all these dreams uh, were happening in and around uh, what I thought was Seattle. And um, that's when I began to catalog them. I uh, kept, and this is something that anybody can do. If you want to remember your dreams, to understand them, usually if we wait until we wake up in the morning to write them down, we've forgotten a lot of detail or, or forgotten it altogether. So what I did and on the recommendation of a book that I read was just put a pad and pen by the bed and the moment you wake up, write it down. Mm -hmm. And that's when I began to realize having cataloged them that in the years after that, oh my God, hundreds of dreams were coming true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then the question was, you know, we lost track, I think, of the question because we got interrupted by... I, I, I asked you if the things that you saw, did they come true? And, yeah. You know. Yeah, they did. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And then there was a, you know, in my therapy about maybe four months into my therapy, which had been facilitated in, as a catalyst to having found Maria, the accident girl, then the other imaginary playmate from my childhood became a real person in my life. And same kind of an experience where I was able to tell her things that I shouldn't have known and she hadn't generally shared with really anybody. They were really private things. And um, she too 
completely freaked out. How can you know this, right? And yeah. um, even though in both cases, the ladies were attracted to me, the connection was clear. They both felt like, I know you. I know you really well. Who are you? Right. And obviously I felt that from them because I knew details of their, you know, of this really um, life-changing experience that each of them had. And um, that's when I realized uh, it was when it was really cemented that things over and over have come true. And it's not in my imagination. Here's physical proof. And in, you know, in both cases for each of them, after not too many weeks, they just needed to end the relationship because it was too freaky. They felt violated. They didn't feel safe. How the heck do I explain this to my mom? How do I explain this to my friends? Who the heck are you? Right? And it completely freaked me out that it was happening because um, as dreams were coming true, and this was happening all the way back to 10 years before my psychotherapy, it upset me. I didn't like it because I felt like, well, that means things are predestined. I don't have choices. I don't like this. Yeah. But realizing that, especially because my psychologist connected those dots, that I had manifested these two imaginary playmates because they were the only people I could bring with me to the orphanage. And for years and years afterwards, when I was going through physical abuse after being adopted. And, you know, so, so many things coming true. And that was when I really accepted the fact that, yeah, I guess I'm psychic. Look at this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the other thing you're using um, with people is the NLP. Yeah. Um, do you want to explain what that is for people who don't know what those letters mean? Yes. Neuro linguistic programming. It's a branch of psychology that was developed in the early 1970s by um, a psychotherapist and a psychiatrist, sorry, a hypnotherapist and a psychiatrist. And um, they wanted to come up with techniques which psychologists and psychiatrists could use more effectively to make quick advances in helping people heal, helping people find what's wrong, helping people get over this or that bad habit, having, have, helping people find self-love, find self-worth. And so they studied the techniques of the most successful hypnotherapists and psychologists and psychiatrists of the time and put together this new branch of psychology, which has these relatively fast acting, fast moving techniques for change in one's life, for empowerment. And neuro, the, what they noticed in the techniques that were the most effective, the ones that people were using were that even in hypnosis, Oh, sorry, whether it was with hypnosis or without, the patients were literally experiencing all five senses plus the emotions, which then is spirituality or the sixth sense. And so they developed in these techniques ways to bring 
the person during the technique really in vivid touch with what's happening, what they're experiencing, and to relive experiences from the past and recalibrate it, see it from a different perspective, so that we can realize that, okay, that happened to me, and because it did, I'm making automatic choices because I feel like that's the natural thing to do because I haven't experienced anything else. But in these techniques, we literally go to a place where you are experiencing something else, where you're seeing yourself in a different way. And one of the things that I talked about was helping people integrate their inner child, getting in touch with five-year-old Kimberly. So would you use this... Um because, you know, I have some NLP background. So cool. you actually take the picture they're looking at and have them, like, make a picture of them as a little child? Well, in that particular technique, I have them grab a pillow and hold it in there here and imagine that I'll do it with you. Five-year-old Kimberly mm -hmm. is in your lap and okay. you've got your arms around her mm -hmm. and you feel the weight of her body against your lap. You feel the warmth of her body against your warmth. You feel the beating of her little heart um, in your chest. You feel the warmth of her skin as your arm is touching it, as you're holding her. Your, you smell what her skin smells like, what her clothes smell like, what her clothes feel like to you texturally. You put your cheek on the top of her head and feel what her hair feels like and you smell her hair and a little bit of hair whisks into your cheek and you say to her I love you little Kimberly and I have them repeat it whether it's silently or aloud and then again I love you little Kimberly and you know repeatedly and then moving on to you're never going to be alone again little Kimberly I'm always going to be with you, little Kimberly. I love you, little Kimberly. I'm doing that for quite a while, maybe five, six, or seven minutes. And then I have you become little Kimberly, who's sitting on adult Kimberly's lap and hearing and feeling everything that adult Kimberly has just said to you, hearing it. And I repeat it. And so then you, as the client, experience it and feel it and usually people are just bawling by this time oh. then i have you stay little kimberly and say to adult kimberly oh, i love you adult kimberly i love you adult kimberly i'm always going to be with you adult kimberly i'm always going to be with you you're never going to be alone again and look what we survived adult kimberly look what we overcame Look what a beautiful person we became in spite of everything. And then the fourth step is I have you become adult Kimberly again. And then in this process, I have go through the five senses and make sure that you're still feeling the vividness of the experience. And then I have you as adult Kimberly here, little Kimberly, say those things and feel that love from her. I love you, adult Kimberly. I'm always going to be with you. Look what we overcame. Look how beautiful we became, right? Mm. And it's powerful as hell. Most people feel better and lighter and uh, have a better understanding of who they are and how beautiful they actually are after that. Yeah. And this goes on for 20 to 30 minutes. And 
I end up crying. (laughs) (laughs) What a beautiful process. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and then there are a lot of other techniques, you know, but we're saying this for the audience where we have the client visualize themselves as one of their heroes. realizing themselves becoming this person and you know standing in front of an audience and giving a incredibly inspiring speech or whatever it is that we want to aspire to right or finding that scientific breakthrough and there too really bringing in all six senses it's a powerful experience because people literally have the experience of seeing themselves from a different perspective as a different person but truly usually as the essence of the person that they really want to be how they ideally see themselves yeah yeah so beautiful so um, yeah thank you just getting more personal here what would you say gives you the most joy and happiness in your life at this point is it the connections is it other things connections yeah, and you know, and especially in this worldwide crisis, you know, something that hasn't happened since 1918, and especially it's never happened this way, where we're all in touch with each other and we're hearing everybody's craziness and insecurity and overreaction and anger and fear and oh my god, you know, it's like a major crisis for almost everybody, and for me one of the most exciting things is realizing that i can handle this i can handle this sure from time to time i feel the anxiety and then of course when i'm dealing with clients i'm sure you experience that too in in all of your work that um yeah i feel it when the client is so full of anxiety but when i hang up i give it back to them i hope that i have empowered them and they have choices now and then i go to a place of i'm okay i'm okay and that comes from having through the years really beginning with my psychotherapy 25 years ago realizing that choices 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 and that everything that i perceive I can choose to see from a different angle. Mm-hmm. And the moment I do that, it's okay. It's okay. And, and then especially the realization that, okay, I can offer insight, you know, psychic insight and guidance from my experience and learning to people, but it's still up to them whether or not they want to make choices that reflect that insight. Mm-hmm. or whether or not they even believe me. And so I have realized that, you know, and especially in, in that constant awareness that we're here to experience contrast, mm-hmm. that if I see somebody who's really suffering, yeah, I can help, maybe, right? But they have to want to help. And ultimately, I have to let go and bless them on their path and say, wow, man, you chose a hard path and God bless you. God bless you. Kick ass, right? <laughs> right. And all you can do is give people your best. I mean, even as, yeah. a, um, as a doctor, people come in, they ask my advice. I give them my best advice that yeah. I think is the best for them with my experience. 
but then sometimes they go home and they don't do it. So all you can do is give them your best and, yeah. and hope that they use it, you know, in a, in a profitable, beneficial way. Yeah. But realizing that I, I, I'm in a place where my first awareness is, dude, I have choices. You know, even if I get down temporarily, it's only for a minute or two. And then I realize, no, I can, I can choose differently. And let's, let's smile about something. Let's figure out something to goof about. And that's one of the coolest things in life for me. It's like ultimately fulfilling, especially because it took so long, so very long <laughs> to get here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I love about life too, the choices. Because to me, choices means freedom. Mm -hmm. We have free will. We have all these possibilities, this open field with all these doors or possibilities or whatever you want to look at. We have all that. We get to choose one. And if you don't like that one, we can come back out and go in a different one. Yeah. And then having fun with the process, right? One of my favorite quotes, which some people maybe are uncomfortable about, it's from an American poet from the eight, late 1800s, a guy named Albert Hubbard. Mm -hmm. He said, don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out of it alive. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. And what that says to me is, my God, we're all going to die, right? So if you're going to do it, if you're going to enjoy it, do it now because you are going to die and you just don't know when, right? You don't know when. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, wow. So and it fascinates to... me. Excuse oh. me. Go ahead. oh, I was just going to change subject, but. Please go they, for it. Um, if people wanted to find you or work with you, how do they find you? psychicwalter.com my name is walter psychic. i'm a psychic psychicwalter.com <laughs> all right and then yeah. your book is it on amazon it's there and um right on the home page there's a link to they came okay good and, and then are on you the uh -huh. Go ahead. on the website there are five scenes from the book that you can read or um, listen to. They're each about four and a half minutes long, five, five scenes from the book, so that people can get an, get an idea of uh, the feel for it and what it's like. Beautiful. And then the other question I was going to ask you, so are you doing thing vir things virtually now that everybody's kind of virtual? Or are you doing That's, them in person? Or No, um, hardly ever. In the past, I hardly ever worked in person anyway. My business been doing this, let's see, 18 years, almost 19. And um, I have clients all over the world virtually, right? Mm -hmm. Japan, Australia, Fiji, New Zealand, uh, Luxembourg, the United Kingdom, and then all over North America. And that's fun, too. You know, just people find me online uh -huh. mostly on the google which is swedish for google <laughs> <laughs> wow so they're looking for they're, they're looking for a psychic and they just google it and you come up well not just a psychic um you know maybe you know this about search engine optimization seo is you have to design your site so that you come up with specific searches. And one of mine is California psychic because that seems to be relatively popular. People think that the psychic from California is gonna be maybe better, <laughs> right? Or more experienced, I don't know why. <laughs> and, uh, and psychic medium, 
those terms, right? And I designed the site that when people search those terms, I'm relatively uh, near the top, first or second page. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, that's how people find me internationally. And then social media, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. how we found each other. I'm not, I, yeah. I think you friended me. And then yeah, I, I said, tell me about you and yeah. And you were available, so we had a phone call. It was an amazing phone call, getting to know each other. It was fun, yeah. I had a good time. Yeah, it was there great. There you are in Georgia, and I'm, I'm here in L.A. <laughs> and, yeah. yet, and yet, you know, and that's the beautiful thing that I'm actually still in the process of learning, because I used to feel that, well, virtually, you just don't have the same connection as in person, and you don't quite, and yet... You still can, right? And there too, a choice, choice to open up to it and just really see it from a different perspective. And situations like what you and I experienced, that was really fun. It was really a good that time. Was. Yeah. That was so fun. <laughs> yeah. So, but thank you so much for being on the podcast today and for You're sharing welcome. your stories and your life with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been giggles actually. And you're a great interviewer. You ask good questions and you give me time to talk. That was powerful. Thank you. Uh -huh. You are welcome. So I have one yeah. more question before we get off. Yes, ma'am. What is your best advice on living an incredible, amazing life? <sighs> love yourself. Love literally everybody around you. Find something about them to love, even if they really irritate you. And have fun, have fun, have fun, have fun. Because if you're doing those three things, your heart's open. And when your heart's open, you're getting the insight that your higher self and your angel guides are trying to give you because when your heart's open, you're listening. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Walter. You're welcome. Thank you, Kimberly. Have a yeah. great night. We'll okay. talk to you again soon. All right.